everyone, and welcome to a very international version of the Winging It F1 podcast. I'm Adam Dickinson in Oklahoma, the United States of America. That's Nigel Chu in Barcelona, Spain, and that's Freddie Coates in Sheffield, England. So we're all in different countries. It's very exciting. Nigel has managed to get onto the in the corner of his room that has great hotel Wi-Fi for hopefully the duration of this podcast. But if not, you'll find out in about 15 minutes' time. How are you, Freddie? Five seconds. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm great, Alan. Thank you for asking. I mean, I'm jealous of Nigel's free trip to Barcelona. Um, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers, I suppose. Are you a beggar? Well, uh, I'm not, not a beggar. <laughs> I mean, when I was walking through to get to my hotel, I was thinking about begging because I didn't, it was a bit scary because there was no one there and it was proper dark. I didn't really know where I was going. But I'm here now, so uh, that's all pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's, you know, that's the joy of podcasting is we know you got here. If you've been, if you'd like recorded a snippet before you got off the train, then like there'd be some suspense. But now we know, we're glad we can relax, we can talk about the Imola Grand Prix, which is coming up this weekend. And I'm not going to try and say the long name because I didn't get it before I started reading this. So it's got a million <laughs> names. It's got Rolex. It's got Made in Italy. It's got the fancy name for the region. Oh, yes, there we go. The Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio de Ma- del Made in Italy at Emilia Romagna Rolex 2021. They've had a Rolex. The so weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> San Marino Grand Prix. Um <laughs> It's no secret on this what? podcast that I love it, but so I'm excited as per. But. Yeah, and there's a sprint race this weekend. So yeah, mm-hmm. fun, I guess. Kind of weird, different, just different. I like well. different. Well, <laughs> I, do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think my thoughts on the sprint race haven't changed from last year. I still think if everyone's yeah. going to use a different format, they should use something that's better and a bit more exciting because I think having something that's effectively just the first stint of a, of, a, of a main Sunday race isn't the best thing. But it is different, like Freddie said, we've got it three times this year out of the 23. Uh, whether it was the best track to do it at, I'm not sure. Uh, but it could. Tell so... It's going to be interesting, not necessarily exciting, but interesting. I mean, what do you think? There should be like a reverse grid race, or that'll be more exciting. I think I just, I don't, I'm not sure. I think uh, I wrote ages ago formats piece thing about F1 using different formats. I can't remember what. I said in it, but I just think little things like having a proper top 10 shootout with cars going out one by one at some races and like at Monaco and stuff like that. Uh, perhaps having races where there's no pit stops or races where you have to use all three compounds of tyres. I'd rather see that than a sprint race personally. Yeah, I think it's, it becomes hard to sort of walk that line because you get you get these things like, like you say, like a pursuit kind of knockout system or... Um, different kind of strategy sort of challenges that that's all cool and well and good but it's kind of like you've got to take what you've got and what they've got is cars that can't really do that 
cars that are designed to do a Grand Prix. So you, unless you just completely change it and make it not Formula One, I think it's very hard to kind of do something that isn't just a shorter F1 race if you want to then just add on to it. Either way, or you just go the whole hog and do a, a qualifying race on a Saturday and a qualifying race on Sunday, a la Formula E or a la uh, BTCC or whatever. I don't know, DTM, I should say, um, not BTCC, and just do that kind of thing. I think that would be just an easier thing. If they want to just add more to a weekend, just do two races. Um, but... I think, yeah, I think it's ballsy to do the sprint at Imola. It's very ballsy to do the first one with the 2022 cars at Imola. Um, mm. We yeah. Obviously, it was planned to do that before um, we saw the cars in action. But I think everyone's been, you know, very happy with them. They've been talking about, oh, no, they're racing too well. So just what, who knows what we're going to get, um, really. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm still open to it because I think as a format, I think, it's the. It's not the worst format we could have, and I think it is all right. And I still am of the belief that put race drivers in race cars on a racetrack and they will race. I think these cars are going to help that much more than last year's cars, which is obviously where the sprints failings came in. Was you know super high downforce cars that can't follow each other. I, I mean, kind of where I stand on it is, yeah, I don't think the sprint race is perfect, but it's not, we don't lose qualifying to get it. We lose yeah. a practice session. So, you you know, you're going in, you have the qualifying on Friday, which I really, really liked last year. You know, the, the Silverstone qualifying was just fantastic in, you know, oh, yeah. sunny evening in the summer in Northamptonshire and two of the counties. And, it, yeah, it, I really, I like that. And then... <clears throat> You know, all the races where there was a sprint race had more exciting races than, you know, I guess the average. I mean, or that was good chance, really, to be fair. No, but you know, I, I'll, I don't think it didn't kind of sledgehammer the the racing action, which is you know kind of was my worry, or that you know it would be dull, and it wasn't. So with that's three things to go off, and you know by the end of the season we'll have more and we'll kind of be able to draw more of a conclusion from it. But based off what we saw last season, I, um, you know, I don't see any reason not to kind of, you know, carry on with it for the moment. And again, at the end of this season, then we can reevaluate that. Do you, but, do you think three races is enough then? I think so. I think while, while they're still, you know, kind of getting to grips with it and, you know, it, it's, it's the supplementation to, F1, you know, it's it's changing up some of it. I don't think they need to go for the whole thing um, straight away. So, you know, but I I don't kind of have an issue with them easing it in and seeing where, seeing how it lands before kind of rolling it out over the whole season. This that's what their plan is. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember where the other ones are this year. I think it's um, is it Austria, Austria and, and Lagos? Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I was kind of okay with them doing five or six, to be honest. I think it adds more kudos to the sprint format if you have more of them anyway, because people say, oh, no, you've got these for at least for 2021, like three, two, one points adding to the championship makes it kind of gimmicky. But if you have lots of them with more points on offer, I think it makes it definitely a, something worthy of the, champion, the championship adding to it. It makes it, gives them more interest as a, as a sole sort of entity. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, we've got eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one as the points this time around. We'll get onto that, I'm sure. But I think, yeah, I think 
obviously the reason why we've only got three is because the teams think it's going to be too much money to just have a, a kind of um, a, a jeopardy kind of scenario where you have too many, too many racing scenarios and so on. But it's kind of like, well, uh, it's a hard one because they can crash in practice and crash in qualifying, but obviously it's more more probability of crashing in wheel to wheel. So um, it really depends. I think I was surprised F1 weren't able to force through to at least five or six for this year, to be honest. But yeah, same. Yeah, I think I think uh, that the the fact they couldn't is a is leads to well a much bigger problem that well but something that we've had what 10 15 20 years that the teams have far too much power and it's just got even worse and worse and the fact they can't even have six sprint races just shows that quite frankly so you know is what it is uh but yeah that's a never story <laughs> yeah there's a whole thing with ross braun going on about them you've got to save the teams from themselves and it's it's true in that regard yeah. i mean it's a wider context but there's a phrase i seem to remember from um an entirely different um topic but the same sort of theme which is kind of like uh, I don't know, actors trying to get involved in sort of script running and that kind of thing of tv it's like the sort of phrase from a producer's side is don't let yeah, the yeah. lunatics run the asylum so the team shouldn't be making the rules for what they compete in they should be competing in a sort of objective neutral kind of rules decision but obviously like you say all rules in formula one are subjective rather than objective so it's it, it, it's the mess and weird and funky world that is f1 which is why it's kind of fun and niche in a way but yeah it, it's not perfect but that's part of the reason that we like it i i like himler as the choice as well because i think it will <clears throat> it will be different to what we saw last season from the tracks and it will kind of give yeah. a different side to the sprint race and hey if it's bad then we don't need to go to tracks like Imola for the sprint race again and that's yeah. fine we can move on but yeah i think it i think it will be interesting and i think because you know it's a uh, it's a track that's difficult to race at or overtake at but it's not monaco or it's not you know the, mm-hmm. it's not just kind of physically impossible um it's challenging so yeah i think we'll see you know Ballsiest drivers rewarded, maybe we'll have to see. But I'm looking forward to it. Anything else mind, to add from either of you? Yeah. It's a in my mind, track. in my mind, there's a kind of rule of thumb in sort of racecraft in that we've obviously had two races at Imola with modern cars, um, well, old-fashioned cars now, but um, with kind of you know modern era Formula One. And yeah, the racing wasn't great in 2020. That's fairly obvious. But um, you know, there, there were dices. In 2021, in the wet, it was kind of like there were some really good scraps in that race. And obviously the storylines around it get sort of thrown in. The red flag, um, Hamilton's mistake, uh, Norris's podium. Russell and, so and Bottas. Russell and Bottas, exactly. And <clears throat> there's, But there was some really good just racing in that, in that race. And kind of if you take it as a kind of really weird rule of thumb, it's kind of like the cars are closer this year to how sort of last year's cars were in the wet, really sort of driver sort of skill getting closer yeah. and so on so it's kind of like maybe this, this is quite an optimistic view but you could get some good dices around this track you got opportunities for lots of different lines into toaster and villeneuve and so on and um maybe even sort of moves going up into variante alta or maybe revats or that kind of thing to keep close so there could be some okay racing at imola potentially because we had okay racing yeah. at melbourne let's imola. be honest I've... yeah I think Imola as a track for me is one of my favourites. I'm so glad 
F1 returned there a couple of years ago, and it's going to stay on the calendar till 2024. So if we do get great racing, I think that's just a bonus because I think the cars, the speed they're doing over the chicanes is just incredible. The, also, like jumping over the curves trying to shorten it, the elevation changes through the middle sector, and then you big on the brakes into the second to last corner, it's spot sap got pretty much everything. So uh, I think if any country's gonna have two races, then Italy is probably probably the country that's in more is just one of many great traps. Um yeah, like Freddie said, I think we're gonna see even better racing than we saw last year. And last year we got quite a bit of good racing there. So uh yeah i'm i'm excited for it. yeah check out our last podcast <laughs> a couple of podcasts ago if you want to hear nigel's views on america having two or more races um yeah i i really like him i think it's up there as possibly the most beautiful tracks on the calendar especially when they had it oh, yeah. in 2020 when it was in autumn um that was just stunning it's really pretty um yeah i think still just have to wait and see about the you know how the racing itself is going to be and but i'm optimistic with these new cars i think yeah there's they seem to have taken a big step forward and we'll see you know i guess imla will be the biggest challenge so far for that and we will talk about that on monday or whatever as to whether the cars handled that or how the cars handled that so fingers crossed moving on to one of the drivers who will be hoping and one of the favorites to take victory at Imola, Max Verstappen and Helmut Marker has been talking to the Express and he's a bit more critical than I might have expected of his young driver, his young world champion and saying that he goes over the limit too much and that they thought a world championship title might bring calmness to him but he might need another world title before he can go into qualifying with too much pressure. There's interesting comments from the distinguished Helmut Marco. Nigel, do you think he's right? I think to an extent, yes. But I also don't think Verstappen is driving any worse or better than his first three or four races from last year. Because I think people forget from Monaco onwards, which was which was I think round five last year, he was outstanding. But before that, season opener in Bahraini. When he was overtaken out and he went off the track by making that small mistake there. And then you got out-qualified by Perez in the second round last year. Same thing happened this year. Uh, and then in Portimao, he was quite scruffy which, was scruffy, which was the third round last year as well. And in Australia and Bahrain, Leclerc was probably the better driver, just like Hamilton was the better driver than Verstappen last year. So I don't think Verstappen is driving... I, I think he's always very similar to last year. It's just some people forget that Verstappen did make a few mistakes early on and then he went on to be, you know, quite amazing, really. Uh, so, but I think Marco is right to some extent. I think Verstappen is always trying to find the limit of the car almost and he's, the car doesn't quite suit, suit his style, but it wouldn't surprise me if in, say, by Spain or Monaco or even this weekend, we see that half-second margin to Perez, and then that stays for, for, for most of the season. I think I think it's just a case of when Verstappen finds that groove, just like last year. I think, from my side, it's... it's um, The comments seem to be a bit odd. I think they're kind of... I would say, think they're kind of comments that would be 
perfect in sort of a latter end of the season kind of championship fight kind of time. It's kind of like, say um, you have a situation, it's all hypothetical, but say like, obviously we, Max is just sending, pushing Lewis off the track in Brazil um, in 2021. Imagine. That's a kind of stressful, clinging on desperate move. I think we will agree into, into of racecraft. If he was doing that kind of thing in a championship fight after he had a title under his belt, say he did that kind of move this year or next year, um, if he's in a fight for a, for a championship, then yeah, then you can sort of say, oh, maybe with a world championship, you think he can be a bit calmer. But I kind of feel like the pressure isn't from Max. The pressure is elsewhere. He's, he's retired from two races um, when it hasn't been his fault. And it's and the other, only one he's completed, he's won. So really, you look at it from that perspective and kind of think, um, it's not really Max's pre- um, self uh imposed pressure that's you know harming the results it's it's uh, mechanical so i think max is doing all right to be honest i yeah i kind of and particularly like saying the problems with qualifying i find that really interesting because max just he's such a good qualifier and he seems to be you know to me from the outside and obviously marco sees him in a lot more detail than any of us do but to me it seems like you know, he can go in with the right level of pressure where, or I guess, you know, he can have the adrenaline to really push himself to the limit in qualifying. But, you know, he does it consistently and he does it very well. And I think kind of this is similar to what you were saying, Freddie, that it's, you know, it where people would level criticisms at him last year for kind of being too, too intense or going over the limit was in the races. You know, people weren't really, you know, bar maybe... Saudi qualifying was the only time where, you know, people were criticising that. But, you know, it's it, it didn't seem to be there. So I kind of, I find it interesting, you know, as, as someone who sees him much more up close on race weekends than we do, I think it's an interesting comment for him to make. Um, but I also agree that, you know, he's, I don't really see a change from last year, but I guess he's also saying he was like this last year and we thought that might just calm him down. I can't help but feel that uh, if Verstappen hadn't retired from those two races and he was second in the championship, Marco wouldn't be saying this. I've, I've got, I've got, I don't know why I think that, but I, I think it's just because there's a lot of frustration at Red Bull at the moment, and rightly so, because the uh, DNFs that they've had are not acceptable, really. So, uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot of frustration, and I think Verstappen doesn't doesn't need to be told. I think Verstappen knows himself if he's performing at his best and stuff like that. And Verstappen has already admitted that he's not 100% happy with the car. So I think over the next few races, that will probably change, I think. Yeah, I mean, Helmut Marco loves to control the narrative, doesn't he? So I think it's just that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I do... I think maybe... If you look at kind of the gap in qualifying so far, it's not been where you'd expect, you know, or where it was last season. And, you know, I think Perez Perez has improved with more time in the car, but you'd still kind of accept, accept, expect Verstappen to be kind of further ahead. Although, Freddie, you're um, motioning like you disagree with that. Well, I think um, I think it's a mixture of kind of, it's, I don't think it is Verstappen qualifying badly. I think it's I think it's Perez qualifying well and Verstappen qualifying well 
as well. But on top of that, it's a car that suits both drivers rather than a car that suits um, Verstappen. I think there's been a bit more, there's been a bit of talk really that the car really is favoured away from Verstappen's perhaps chosen sort of handle the back end, pointy front end um, style of driving. <coughs> of, and that there's a bit more kind of stability for Perez's preferred style of driving, which, um, you know, is a, is a more ordinary way of setting up a car, to be honest. Um, so I think it's really just actually the traits. I, mean, I think it's showing Verstappen in a very good light because it's proved that he's actually quite adaptable to it because he's still doing very well in a car that's really not the car that's been developed underneath him, if that makes sense. Um, so I think, I think he's doing all right, in my opinion. And I think Perez is doing okay too. So I, I, I kind of, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if what Nigel predicted doesn't come true, where Perez is half a second back come Barcelona or Monaco. I wouldn't be, I would be more surprised with that kind of scenario. I think they're both going to progress through and just get to know the car well themselves anyway. I think I, I think you got, you got to credit Perez as well because he, he, you know, most of the season last year, he was behind. Yeah, he has that mentality to come back in the winter and he's still performing very, very well. So that experience that he's got, that is the difference with Perez. <clears throat> and to be able to put Verstappen's outstanding performances to one side and perform himself. And I, I think there's a, there's almost a myth in F1 about teams making uh, cars to, to suit certain drivers or to suit, to suit one one half of the garage. I think the team tried to make the car as, as possible, but it's up to the driver to adapt. And if it suits them, it suits them. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And then the best ones can adapt. And that's where we'll probably probably see Verstappen uh, at his best. I, I, think. I, I don't think that's true. I think the teams do build the cars, not for one driver, but they build the cars for it and they get the feedback and they get a directive point of view and they build the cars with the drivers, not for one driver and I think that's why we've got Rebel in a position this year where both drivers can drive the car and why in previous years it was more pointed towards the one kind of contracted continuous driver I disagree that it's a myth I think it is a thing and you look go back all the way through to Schumacher and people like that those cars are designed for people to drive but anyway um, that's a whole different kettle yeah I kind of I think I come down between I guess in the middle of what both of you said I think F1 fans over-exaggerate it. Um, you know, there, there's all kinds of myths. You know, if you look over F1 history or just the last few years, there's kind of all types of myth about teams kind of, you know, favouring drivers or building car for one driver or the other or, you know, kind of... And every year there's, you know, people who complain either publicly or privately that they're kind of not being favoured in the car development or the, yeah, I kind of as the car goes through the season. But I think, um, I think kind of especially before the season, it makes sense for teams to, you know, kind of see a team in Red Bull's position to see that they've got one driver who's going to be, you know, Max Verstappen world champion and will be their competing driver for the world championship and one who, you know, it's not as important that they're the fastest they can be every race because, you know, Sergio Perez is a fantastic driver, but all due respect, he's not Red Bull's choice to be competing for world champion. So I kind of, I think I come in the middle where, um, you know, there's people overhype it every year, but it does. <coughs> oh, the sneeze were in that, but, you know, I think there is a factor at play. Nigel. 
well, I don't have a point to make. I, 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 I'm going to stand by my point. I, I seriously think the teams make the fastest cars and this is whether the driver can adapt to it. I, I, I think it's that simple. I think people overcomplicate it. I agree with you. Teams make the fastest cars, but the way to make the car <laughs> fastest is to combine the that with the driver. Because the best way for a car to be fastest is to make sure that it's tailored to what makes the driver perform best. Mm. Uh, yeah. Come, I, think, I, I, think, I think we're both right. That's the thing. Um, in, in the core of what we're saying. But I, I just don't think... I think you're wrong if you think teams just build a car and say, get in it. They haven't done that since the 1970s. Mm. Yeah. Maybe if you, I think, I maybe think if you're, you're more like, right. I think you're more right than me. Okay. So you're just gonna just just be wrong. That's a fun time for the podcast. Just just fight the corner of something that's not right. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to disagree again. We haven't disagreed on anything in ages. We keep agreeing on things. It's well, we have just not from F1 flash. No, we've not. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah, I didn't want to go on a date with you, Nigel. So, <laughs> oh, clearly missing a lot out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how the staffing goes this weekend. Do you think he can challenge Leclerc? No. I think no. I think unless it's wet, if core fans are wet, then I think the staff and Hamilton and Russell, if it's wet, I think the Shavers can come into it because of their car. But I think if it's a dry weekend, fully dry, I think the colour has to be favourite. I think the only thing that can stop him is the fact that we've got two start, two standing starts rather than one with the, with the sprint. So uh, this is going to be difficult. And if the colour can get... 33, 34 points, then he's going to have a huge lead after this weekend. In my thinkings, this track favours Ferrari more than any of the ones we've been to so far. There's slower yeah. corners here. There's more sort of variety. And if, if you know, the, the subset of what we've had so far, the kind of speedy kind of Melbourne Jettas and for the most part, Bahrain as well, fast corners, those are really you know they're good for ferrari but ferrari's where ferrari is really making making the um time up particularly in barcelona was the slow bits so with corners like Ravazza, like tamburello which and tosa which um which are you know quite they're medium to low speed corners they're not high speed corners i mean i know a lot of Imola is really fast but it's narrow which kind of helps it be feel fast it's a bit of a roller coaster but there's some tight narrow corners which will slow corners which will lend itself to the Ferrari more so really even if Leclerc's the favourite that kind of thing he's got to be followed by science this weekend really because otherwise Ferrari haven't maximised it in my opinion Yeah I, I completely agree I think they're the out and out favourites and there's got to be one on the track that favours them most throughout the season I go as far as to say and especially now where you know Rebel have got ground to make up anyway, Mercedes aren't a factor in the fight for the front, then it's just, yeah, that yeah. you know, bar, bar rain, it, there doesn't, hey, no, Leclerc went there too, uh, there doesn't seem to be much um, 
much that I can see kind of stopping them. And, you know, again, like I can, I think it's a very real possibility that Ferrari have a one-two here and then the standing start becomes a bit kind of less relevant. I get all the two standing starts become um, a bit less relevant, I think, Nigel. I think as well, with just one practice session, one practice session before qualifying, if it is dry, that'll help Ferrari even more because Mercedes and Red Bull seem to have a car that's slightly harder to find the operating window, whereas the Ferrari can get up to speed quickly. It's versatile. So now we're only playing to have a close and tight hands as well. So everything points to Ferrari. Uh, it'll be a small surprise if, if they don't win. All roads lead to Maranello, definitely. I completely agree. Um, I think it's going to be... Interesting, because even if teams are wanted to bring upgrades, as you say, Nigel, there's one practice session. So what do they do? Bring an upgrade, it doesn't work, and go in blind? No, we're going to be seeing the cars we've seen. So it's going to be very, they'll be very hard to beat, Ferrari. Very hard to beat. Do you think Red Bull will be the um, kind of clear second place team again? Bar yeah, their engine. I, I don't see any reason... I don't see any reason for them not to be based on um, the, the sort of gap between um, best of the rest in qualifying in Melbourne, Lando Norris to the Rebels and Leclerc and would have been science as well had he been up there. There was a good six tenths in that gap. So on top of my head, might have been five. But, you know, that's, that's a significant chunk. So even if they are... Um, or even if the race pace is a bit closer, as we saw with sort of the tyres between Hamilton and Perez last time out, um, and arguably a little bit of Alonso, but um, really they all have the track position to be the second best. I, I think Alpine can be right up there with Red Bull and certainly Mercedes. I've got a funny feeling this weekend. We've seen them almost coming and coming, and they've shown lots of potential adversary races. I think Alpine could be a major threat this weekend, and I'd love to see Alonso, you know, really challenge, challenging for the podium on genuine pace. I think he'd be really up for it as well after missing out in Q3 last time out because of that very annoying hydraulics failure when he couldn't change down gears at uh, turn 12 or 13 or 11, one of them. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think, I think Alpine can be the surprise of the weekend. I hope so. I think it'd be great fun to have Alonso up there scrapping. Alonso around Imola just having a fight just with a Ferrari, just even though I mean, that's, that's, that's wishful thinking, but it's just yeah. something that I find cool. Mm. It'd be a major throwback to before I was watching F1, so yeah. I wouldn't get the joke. But yeah, I think, you know, we, I, I do think <clears throat> Alpine are worth kind of more discussion because we all, we were all quite down on them before the season, <clears throat> but they've come back and they've, you know, been to me the surprise of, the season and you know I think it was a tough weekend all round for Alonso last time but I think you know he really could have been getting a major point haul in the top five and that would have kind of you know at the moment they're fifth in the championship but I don't think that's representative of where they're at really and kind of where you know given before the season we didn't rate them highly where kind of do you think this has all come from that they're now you know, we're talking about them potentially battling, you know, near the top of the grid. I think we were just duped a bit. Um, yeah. They didn't really show their hand in testing. They didn't really, but they were all kind of, they were happy. The vibe around that team wasn't bad. It was kind of like, yeah, it's all right. It's going well. Yeah, it's all right. It's going well. 
And you're a bit like, is it though? We don't think it and, is. And though. in a French accent. Well, yeah. yeah. Mostly it's Alan Permain who just chats to random people. Um, so you got his kind of Endstone accent because he's been there since the the day it was the first rock was placed for the factory. But um, it's they, you know, they were they were happy in testing. And I I just didn't get it. I thought, oh come on, Alpine, get your head straight. But I was wrong, and you know, fair play to them. They've got a good engine. They have got a good power unit in the back of that back of that car. Um, the numbers they're sort of touting is they're saying they think they're sort of 10 bhp off the best and i don't know who they said the best was but i think that basically puts them fractionally off the top of f1 speed basically so they're they're maximizing it there was a there was a point in 2020 where they did a few setup alterations and then really started finishing like fourth, fifth in most races because they realized they had a slippery car and they could do well with that. So baked into that sort of design process is top speed now. So I think that's what's helped them out. So I don't, I don't know whether this track will then help them. Maybe it's a similar thing to the Red Bull where they've gone more for top speed because that's something they've been lacking in the past. And that might not necessarily help them at Imola, but I think, I think they've got, you know, just they've just done a good job, and it's about time that team has done a good job. Um, and I don't know, I've, I've I've gone on for a long time on that for something I don't really I don't really think I've added to with much, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> just like this podcast, no, I think I think they've got a strong, <laughs> I think they've got a strong car. I think I think it's versatile as well. From the first three races, none of the if any team, if any midfield team has been consistent, it's been them. I think Ocon Ocon ran the updated. Package in Australia. Unfortunately, that didn't work, so they had to cut that development route. But I think they're a team that they seem like they've got a plan. I think they're one of the few teams that are going to bring some kind of upgrade this weekend as well. So if that works and it pays off, then I think they can be right there, certainly challenging Mercedes. They won't be too far away from Red Bull as well. So I think they just seem to have quickly understood the new tyres. Uh, new car as well with the different aerodynamics and the technicalities of, of it and at the moment you'd, I'd have to say they're probably just about ahead of Haas who uh, you know had a flying start to the season so I think Alpine will be uh, almost happily surprised because I think in the winter they were a bit worried that they were going to have a difficult season but they should be quite happy with the base that they've got and it seems like they've got lots of developments to come. And if they work, then they can definitely be top four team this year. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, we talked about this in the season preview, or I know I did in my voice message, that the, the driver line that they have is really competitive. So yeah. the package, you know, the, the package has to be on par with the teams they're fighting, but it doesn't have to be kind of way above that because in Ocon and Alonso, then they've got two fantastic drivers. We know everything that Alonso can do and, you know, he should be, he should have had kind of a flagship result so far. And if you want to talk about, you know, best of the rest. At the moment, the Mercedes are ahead, but behind the Mercedes and the Rebel and the Ferrari, it's Ocon right now. So, you know, it's, I think there's a lot, a lot to cover from the team and maybe this weekend we'll be seeing it. And yeah, I, I just, you know, it's, it's lots of reason to be optimistic 
about the team. And like you say, they just seem to have got kind of every, they seem to have got the basics and the engine and the tyres nailed. And, you know, whenever you do that, you're going to be near okay, ready. All, all I will say, really, sort of my final point on this is that it has been very much a one driver push, particularly in Melbourne. I mean, yeah, they were scrapping a lot together in, in um, Bahrain and in Saudi. So yeah, they were close there. But in Melbourne, it was very much, Fernando seemed to have sort of six tenths in hand consistently to Ocon. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a one-off, but it's not a good weekend that for Ocon. And that's one of his worst weekends in a long time in F1. So um, just in, I mean, he got a good result, but in terms of what he could have had in pace comparison, I think he was actually quite poor. So I think that's the only sort of um, red flag you could say to the project. Cause other than that, it's been pretty good and they've been doing very nicely. And I agree. They've, fantastic two fantastic drivers so i hope that was a blip for esteban it's not and then he's I mean, right up yeah. there chipping at the I heels of fernando again to me it's kind of you know if if that's the you know it, even if that's not a blip and that is kind of indicative maybe not you know six tens or whatever but he you know if that is indicative and you know he still had three fantastic top seven results so far then you know that's positive i i I would kind of spin that the other way that if there is that kind of pace, um, if there is a pace deficit to Alonso and Alonso's not being able to have two clean races out of three yet, then, you know, to me, that just seems, um, you know, again, I think the best is yet to come and that would indicate that as well. Anything else to add on Alpine? Not for me. I just, yeah, I, just, I, I want, I want to see Alonso scrapping. I know he's great fun at the front, so get him there. Yeah. Life in the old dog yet. Yes. I think Matt, old Matador, he's Spanish. So, you know, yeah. pick a Spanish thing. Dogs are universal. Anyway, um, one of the teams that I, I'm kind of interested to see how they go is Alfred Tauri and particularly Pierre Gasly because he's had two great Imola rounds over his career so far. He's qualified top five both times, although he crashed out of the first race there. But I kind of still think they're, I think they're decent, but I still think we're kind of yet to see that kind of flagship headline result from them. So I'm interested to see if it comes this weekend. I don't know if I'm entirely confident that they are, but there's it's a team that I'm going to be watching kind of, you know, for, for better or worse through this weekend. They've had a very quiet season so far. Oh, yeah. Compared to the other midfield teams, I can't, I can't but feel they hardly made the headlines. And I think this is one of the, one of the first times we've talked about I've talked about them since Bahrain. You know, we, we barely mention them because it's not that they're not doing it's not that they're doing badly. It's just uh, I don't think they're doing as well as they perhaps thought. I think they were targeting that illustrious fifth place in the constructors, which they still haven't had, which they just missed out on last year. And it doesn't seem like they've had the car to do that at the moment. It does seem like they are towards the back end of the midfield. And that's probably why they're a bit disappointed. A bit like how we saw with Alpha Romeo last year. So I think Alpha Tauri are almost in that position, at least for, at least for these first three or three or four races. Okay. I thought Freddie was going to say something. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I will say something. Sorry. I, um, <laughs> that's a nice little bit of. Um, not Breaking anything happening. Um, 
podcasts aren't easy, kids. Anyway. Um, international, remember? Yes, we're doing <laughs> yeah, this in three time zones. So um, forgive us. Um, but yes, I think Alpha Tari, you're right, it has been quiet. They've got three points finishes and Sonoda with uh, eighth place in in uh, Bahrain and Gasly with uh, the other two in the other two races. Obviously, Sonoda's Saudi was a write-off because whenever they turned that car on, it just fell apart. But <laughs> other than that, it's been just an existing season. It feels like sort of their Toro Rosso again. At least with Alfa Tari, they've sort of risen up a mm. little bit. But it feels like, I seem to remember sort of, oh, what season was it? 2018 Toro Rosso. They were just not that good. And Brendan yeah. Hartley year. Yeah, the Brendan Hartley, Hartley year. Where, yeah. And it was just, it's kind of like, they both had some pace, but some not pace that year. And it kind of feels like this year is kind of going to be similar. Sometimes there's pace, sometimes there isn't pace. And it just, I don't know, it feels like the regulation change has kind of kept them in a plateau where they should have been in a steeper rise, in my opinion, which is a bit of a shame because, yeah. you know, the whole concept of AlphaTauri now is a sister team, not a junior team. I mean, great, sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just not been great. It's just not been great. And I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> I'm no. sure they'll hopefully, like you say, Adam, they've, they've seemed to just have just knocked it out of the park at Imola in terms of pace previously. So hopefully they can do so again. It can be a sort of unlocking and understanding of that car or just all of the philosophies just working. Maybe it's just a bit better in different tracks because obviously tracks we know where Pierre did wonderfully last year, um, Zanvor being one of them, where it's kind of like a bit more wiggly, a bit twistier. Maybe maybe just characteristics haven't necessarily settled down for them yet because it's all been a bit medium to high speed. Maybe they need a bit more, um, a bit more slower speed just to rise them up a touch we'll need to see yeah i've only had very limited variety i'd say of circuits so far mm, i think you know the the points they picked up so far have been because you've had so many retirements from the top teams and mm -hmm. kind of every race i mean saudi had three retirements in three laps so it's kind of that's been where they're picking a point so far it's not they've not really been a you know in the top 10 drivers on pure pace i don't think this season yet so but having said that, you know, I think they qualified or particularly Gasly just, you know, two races, but two times he's, you know, done very well at Imola in qualifying. So I think if there is a race for them to get back on track, then this is it. So, yeah, I think by the end of this weekend, then we'll know more about them. So I think that's it from me, unless there's any drivers that you want to watch out for this weekend. Freddie. I want to speak about Haas. I want to see if Haas can... Um put uh, Melbourne to bed as an Espen Ocon style blip and have some pace again or whether you know that car's just proving to be a classic sort of Haas car where they don't really know what's happening with it because that's the only <laughs> thing I can kind of think because there seemed no reason for it to be so slow and well slowing relatively slow in in Melbourne in comparison particularly to how it was in Saudi and Bahrain so I I just worry and I don't I'm, I'm interested to hear your guys thoughts on this um, whether that's because they're having sort of, whether you think that's anything to do with previous Haas troubles, where they just don't necessarily completely understand the whole car, but do we think that could be a case, or do we think that was a, a blip, or, or what are your I expectations on Haas? 
I think I think Magnuson was here, wasn't he? Just uh, just before qualifying or on Saturday morning. So I think he didn't yeah. fulfill his full potential there. Schumacher, I still think he's lacking a bit of confidence on that Saudi Arabia crash okay. uh, because that was his he missed a the race there. So I think confidence for Schumacher is the problem. I think uh, the stuff I read from the team they, they went the wrong way on the setup, a bit like Red Bull. So that's okay. why uh, they kind of fell back and. Uh, the midfield is so close, closer than ever. Uh, I think that's why they fell from, say, the front of the midfield to the back. So I, I think Haas and Alpine, those are, for me, the two teams that can have a really strong weekend this weekend because I think they've both got versatile cars. Uh, and I think Imola, being a track that it is, you know, a fantastic track, uh, I think we'll see the strengths of both of those teams uh, this weekend. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I think with with Schumacher, it's just kind of hard to tell where he was after the crash last weekend. So I'm kind of willing to give him a bit of a pass for that and hope that he can be back, you know, to to himself this weekend. And I I kind of agree. I think this is I I kind of feel optimistic for Has, but equally not like certainty. I you know I still I still think there's kind of questions about the team. And again, it's kind of you know, we've we've had three races and it's, you know, there's kind of nothing set or, you know, bar a few things, there's not much set in stone yet. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be interest, interested to see how they go. I think, I think they'll be okay. But, you know, again, I think this is just going to be a kind of um, quite significant race in terms of telling us where, where they're at with it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm not, not going to. Again? Yeah. And see Adam well, on guard. I think, I think, yeah, final thing for me is I think I, I'm hoping we get to see a wet qualifying because we've not had a wet session yet. This being the first European race of the year, it'd be quite nice to see something a bit different as well. And with it being a sprint weekend, I think the rain on Friday will spice things up even more. That's something I'd like to see. That could be, again, the only factor that can throw Ferrari off, off the perch, perhaps. Let's see. Mm, yeah. Let's see. And on that, it's time to, for me to get off the fence because we need to make our predictions for ah. this weekend that we are going to throw back to in the Imola Review podcast because that's what we always do. We always make yeah. predictions <laughs> after, after we make them. So, have we actually ever done it? Have we ever, have we ever looked back and gone, oh, remember when Adam said Ferrari were going to get uh, seventh and eighth in the French Grand Prix or whatever? Yes, we Yeah, have. yeah, we did, we did it for the French Grand Prix. Um, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we've um, definitely done it in the past surely we can't have done oh yeah episodes referring to a previous one. well you know we've maybe 22 this episodes and we've done it like three times oh there was Not that all time the time i said antonio giovanazzi would get into q3 in zamvor and then he did and i was oh. like you're like that's never gonna happen i was like yeah well it has happened and <laughs> i'm the best and since then i've held the mantle the mantra of sort of emperor of the podcast so like because we haven't looked back at other ones, I've been able to continue with that reign. And and also, like, Nigel, you say 122 episodes, but we haven't made predictions on all of them. Like, it, uh, <laughs> less than 50% will have been previews. So, you know, it's... I think it's more than likely kind of mis- that we'll have said something completely bonkers and just hoped. 
in most I think it's more likely more than likely that you will have definitely <laughs> um so yeah that's fake news from Nigel there but now we've had <laughs> enough time to stall and give our prediction <laughs> Freddie well, what, 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 what are the questions and the predictions we haven't stalled I haven't even come up with anything I don't even know what the question well, you're going to ask me well it's time now third. yes Christ all right um you can start with who's Lewis going to first and second Not if you want. Zone. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm going to go the same. I'm going to go Alonso, <laughs> I believe. Oh, wow. None of us are saying a Red Bull. Interesting. No. Uh, that is that's a bit stupid, isn't it? That yeah. is a bit stupid not to say a Red Bull. <laughs> for, for our first... Um, yeah, for our first um, predictions, like for our first episode before Austria in 2020, I don't think any of us said a Mercedes for the win. Did we not? Um, no. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure. I so, thought it was something ridiculous like Vettel, didn't I? Anyway. Yes. Um, I think, but yeah. Freddie had short hair. I didn't actually. I had long hair for that one. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Right. All, all, the, all the barbers were short, so he didn't oh, yeah, really yeah, have a yeah, choice. Yeah. Second place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say second place, George Russell. That's interesting. Thank you. I am going to wait for Nigel to say his second place. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'm going to be boring and say Carlos Sainz. He's so boring. And then He's got first place, do, do we want to say it on, in, you know, countdown and say it? Is that... Yeah, let's do it on countdown because we've got, we oh, definitely don't have any delays. Let's, let's do the countdown, yeah, let's do it. Okay, right. right. Three, two, two, one, Leclerc. Max Verstappen. Really? <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's say Verstappen, Russell, Ferrari, podium. Hamburg, does the Ferrari garage get hit by lightning? Maybe, yeah. Sure, maybe. I don't know. Hey, I don't have to give you reasons. I just have to give you names, okay? I don't have to give you workings out. This isn't a maths exam. Uh, technically, we don't have to do anything. It's our own podcast. We, you know, we choose exam. to do this. Um and how many Red Bull engined cars finish the race? All four. Nice one, Nigel. High five. I'm going two. Two. Yeah. Two two. But that's like that's not that's no, like I'm not completing mine to three. Sorry. That's not completing the final lap. Not the thing where if you complete whatever, 90% of the race, then it counts as a, that's stupid. But yeah, I'm going to. So, are there any, any of the wild predictions that you want to make before we finish? I will have fun watching cool. the race. No. I forgot one last. This is the first Imola race that's had fans uh, since it returned to the calendar. So I've been to see oh, the wow. 100,000 fans plus. will be absolutely fantastic. It could be like, you know, a proper Ferrari to fill the atmosphere like we get at Monza. So I'm hoping the TV kind of shows that because definitely in some of the races when Schumacher was out, Ferrari won his six races at the San Marino robbery. It was absolutely amazing. So I'm hoping we see with Ferrari, you know, back at the front and, and Leclerc being there. Hopefully we get you know a great atmosphere this weekend. Mm. They're sometimes well, they, crazier in Imola than they are in Monza. Mm. Nigel's prediction is there will be fans there. So <laughs> before we, yeah, that's everything. Unless Freddie wants to jump in with anything. No, it's too late. 
because oh. I can do that because I'm host of the podcast. So thank you very much for listening. We'll be back on Monday, probably, to review the race. And until that point, then goodbye. Bye. Adios.